Hello. Over the course of the last two years, the SEC identified various deficiencies from over 1,500 advisor examinations. The purpose of the risk alert is to notify SEC registered investment advisors of what they should be thinking about when they are reviewing their practices, policies, and procedures so that they could fully comply with the Investment Advisors Act of 1940 requirements. Importantly, as part of this, the SEC provided a summary of the most frequent compliance issues related to advisory fees and expenses. One might think that the most common deficiency has to do with the calculation of fees, and that is correct. Oftentimes, such fee calculations are based on incorrect account valuations. Because most investment advisors charge their advisory fees based on a percentage of assets under management, if assets are incorrectly valued, that means that the fee assessed for those assets would obviously be incorrect and lead to incorrect billing practices. The SEC notably found that in some cases, assets were valued in a client's account using different metrics than what was specified in the client's advisory agreement. And in other cases, the advisors used a process that differed from the process specified in the client's advisory agreement. So for example, if an investment advisor specified that cash and equivalents would not be included in the calculation of an advisory fee, during some of the examinations, the staff found that such assets actually were included in the fee calculation, and thus the advisor overcharged the client. Another common deficiency area involved billing fees and whether or not they were billed either in advance or with improper frequency. In some cases, the staff found that the contract stated that advisory fees would be billed on a quarterly basis, but in practice saw that the advisors were billing on a monthly basis instead of quarterly. In other cases, the staff observed that advisors billed advisory fees in advance despite their agreement specifying that clients would be billed in arrears. In other cases, the staff found that when clients actually terminated their account with the investment advisor, if that advisor had been charging for fees in advance, that advisor failed to reimburse the client a prorated amount of the advisory fees based upon the timing of when the client terminated the advisory services, even though the disclosure in Form ADV Part 2A stated that the advisor would do so. Another area of focus involves the incorrect fee rate. In some cases, the staff found that a higher rate was applied than what was originally agreed upon in the advisory agreement. Or in some cases, a client may have been double billed. The staff also found that advisors failed to apply discounts correctly. So for example, some investment advisors may aggregate accounts into certain households and for fee billing purposes, develop certain breakpoints and apply discounted fees for members of the same household. Even though the Form ADV or advisory contract indicated that such households would receive discounted fees, in practice, that did not occur. Similarly, in some cases, advisors stated that as a client's assets under management increase, the client would receive a breakpoint which would allow that client to be assessed a lower fee rate according to the advisor's Form ADV or advisory contract. However, in practice, that did not necessarily occur. In addition, the staff found that disclosure in Form ADV 
was inconsistent with the advisor's actual practice. For example, in some cases, the ADV may state what a maximum advisory fee would be assessed. However, in practice, the advisor actually assessed a much higher rate than that which was disclosed in Form ADV. In other cases, the staff found that advisors failed to disclose certain additional fees or markups received in addition to advisory fees. For example, if the advisor earned additional compensation on certain asset purchases for client accounts or had fee-sharing arrangements, that was not properly disclosed within Form ADV. A final area that the staff found was that the advisor may have misallocated expenses, particularly in the case of private and registered funds. For example, marketing or travel expenses were allocated to the fund and its investors rather than the investment advisor, which contradicted with operating agreements and other disclosures provided. Notably, the risk alert concludes by stating that advisors are encouraged to look at their practices, to enhance policies and procedures, particularly as it relates to the advisory fee practices, and to reimburse clients that may have been overbilled amounts of advisory fees and expenses as a result of these findings. It is important to remember that as investment advisors, you have a fiduciary duty to act in the best interest of the client. And that means taking proactive steps to ensure that internal testing of billing practices are consistently provided so that we can ensure clients are billed appropriately. For more information and considerations, on how you can evaluate your practices and enhance your policies and procedures in this regard, we encourage you to please contact Core Compliance and Legal Services at area code 619-278-0020 or at info at corecls.com.